I had a dream last night. I was sitting in between two arguing parties. They're furiously going back and forth, back and forth. The more that they argued, the more intense their arguments became until they just became obsessed with putting the other person down. These weren't arguments based on any ideas or based on any notions or even with the point of trying to solve, resolve, or fix anything. These were arguments meant to be mean, mean-spirited, judgmental, hostile, harsh, so forth and so on. I had a dream last night. I wake up this morning and I get on Twitter. And for the most part, Twitter is fun. It's funny. It's interesting. It's unique. Different voices all arriving on this wide ranging platform discussing whatever it is they want to discuss. A lot of times it's new things in social media. Things are, that have happened to random people that they're commenting on. Hey, look what happened to this guy out in Maine. A lot of times it's commentary on shows. Hey, did you guys see Game of Thrones? Hashtag Dim Thrones. But 50% of the time, It's something political. I can't believe what this person on this side did. I can't believe that they didn't allow this person to do this. I can't believe this. Someone retweets something that someone else said, leaves a smarky comment, says LOL, says yeah, right. Says, God, I can't believe how X person did why and as I watch all this go on and then I see the news stations I realized that I did not have a dream last night I was having memories memories of stuff that happens every day all the time constantly I hate politics as a matter of fact I feel as if, at this point, politics have no place on the world. Because they've been so diluted down, and they've been so crushed down to be entertainment, instead of understanding. I hate them so much that I'm not even going to give my little discourse here more than five minutes one segment it's all it gets forever what i hate is politics is the last place on earth to go to for rational thinking and this goes for everybody not one side not not republicans not 
Democrats, not independents, liberals, Green Party, Tea Party, none of that. Everybody. Nobody argues with their head. Nobody argues with their gut. Nobody argues, nobody argues with the intent to try and understand a perspective. Everybody argues to win, to berate, to talk down on, to feel better about themselves. It's stupid. It's ludicrous. And it's a waste of time. I believe in peace, serenity. I believe in being kind to people. I believe in bigging people up. I believe in treating people right. But both sides, if they have a point, they can't not call the other person an idiot. What's the point of being right, of supporting somebody while at the same time putting somebody down? I don't get it. Hello, I'm Zid Raw. Those of you who don't know me, I'm an aspiring rapper, producer. I'm an aspiring otaku, and I'm an aspiring human being. And if this is your first time tuning into Otaku Beef, first of all, I just want to say thank you. I'm incredibly fortunate to have been able to find this app and this platform just because it seems like it suits me. Sitting, talking, and just kind of going in, breaking stuff down, dissecting stuff is one of my hobbies anyway. So now I get to hear it recorded. So shout out to the anchor team. Uh, In addition to that, we just talk about a lot of pop culture news, stuff that interests me, video games, mainly RPGs, uh, hip hop, uh, mainly underground spacey shit, but mainstream topics too. And uh, of course, anime and manga. Now I haven't talked much about anime and manga as of recently, though I am doing some rewatches. I'm rewatching Death Note right now just because, you know, it's one of the greatest series ever created. Probably one of the best manga ever created. It's in my top five. Go back and listen to my top five favorite manga podcast. Um, so yeah, I wanted to talk about something pretty interesting that I don't know if people have really theorized or not theorized, but imagined what the world would be like if Nintendo truly invested into the mobile space. So I was listening to a really interesting uh, talk from Gary Vaynerchuk, and I'm going to see if I can find it. Uh, But it was like, it was like a small question, one of the questions in a series of questions and some talk, and he gives so many. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find it already split up so it'll be easy to locate. But they were asking him if there was one company that you think that you could really, really run, which company would that be that you think their business model is kind of so-so and you think that you could improve upon it? And his immediate answer was Nintendo. He was like, I don't understand why Nintendo just isn't dominating in the mobile space. They have the IPs, they have the content, they have the following, but they are, as we all know, actively not getting into mobile games. 
So I was sitting there and I was working out this morning and I was thinking about that a little bit because I was scrolling on my, uh, kind of on my phone, uh, no, on my iPad. I was looking for, I was like, man, it'd be nice if I just had like a game that I could just sort of download on my iPad and just play here right now, a game that I knew was like really, really good. And as a lot of us know, the reason why Nintendo was able to do what they did, it's not because we like Mario as a character, it's because we like the quality of the games that Mario represents. His games are iconic, they're epic, the controls are always very on point, well put together. It's just one of those series where we know when we, when we see a Super Mario Brothers title, we know that it's going to be of a good quality. So, I started thinking, what would it like look like if I was able to get online and play or download a Mario title? What would it look like if I would be able to get online and download a, uh, a Pokemon app? And I'm not talking about Pokemon Go. I mean, kind of your standard in-home video game IPs. Now, Pokemon Go, obviously, is a testament to this because that's an IP. The idea was interesting, and everybody flocked to it. It was cool. Why can't that be the case for all of their games? So what I'm going to do over a couple of segments, I'm just going to sit and think and theorize and wonder. What would it be like if Nintendo was in the mobile space? How would they do it? How would I like to see it done? What's going on? This is Zid Raw, Z-I-D-R-A-W-V, and we're talking about what if Nintendo made mobile games. So, here's the thing about mobile games when it comes to the minds of a typical gamer, or I'll say traditional gamer. Uh, the actual like nomenclature that we had was hardcore versus casual. I don't really know if that's accurate. Uh, casual fans tend to, when they get a game, they play that game a lot. So I don't know if I should call them casual. I should more call them traditional, uh, traditional style gameplay or mobile gamers. And then there's people that do both. But usually you're more, than, more of one or the other. The reason why a lot of people like the mobile games is because they're easy. It's a nice way to kind of just separate from... Uh, from the day-to-day stresses, you just do some stuff, you tap some things, and then you're good. But the uh, traditional style gamers like myself, we like to kind of get in depth and in deep, and we want the whole product from the get-go. We don't want to be a microtransaction to death and so forth. So, a lot of people will say, good. I'm glad Nintendo isn't in that space because I don't want Nintendo to churn out some cheap, poor quality um, Candy Crush knockoff with Mario Mario's face plastered on top, get people to buy it, have a shitty game and then dilute the quality of what they're doing. And I think that that is a fair assessment because that tends to be what happens with a lot of the mobile type games is that companies 
because games are more and more and more and more expensive to create, they want to see return on their investment, which is fine. But they're like, okay, but we want to make sure to pad our coffers. What's a way we can pad our coffers and keep getting continual money from people? At first, it was the uh, MMO when uh, WoW came out and uh, other games kind of like of that vein. Companies were realizing, holy shit, we're not just getting $50 once. And then if a friend wants to play the game, they can just let them borrow it or whatever. Or we sell it one time to Blockbuster Video and then Blockbuster Video will just rent it out. Or um, what was the other one? Gamefly. You can just rent it out or rent it out of Redbox. No, now people are paying $15 a month. After four months, they just paid retail price. And then as long as we have five months worth of content, we're getting even more money. And say they want to play it for a year. That's $15 a month, every month for a year. And so all of a sudden, the consumer is no longer worth a one-time fee of $60 or $50. They're worth this annual long-term fee of whatever. As long as you keep providing content, keep making it to where they're getting rewarded at just the right time, as long as you do that, they'll keep coming back. So, what's what what's what came after that was mobile-style games. So now, uh, with the App Store and the ability to create a game and stuff like that, you can put something out that gives people just enough reward that they're going to keep clicking. And then, oh, you want this extra thing? Well, just pay $2. Oh, you want this extra thing? Pay $3. And so you're basically paying to progress faster in a world that um, is now using real currency in order to attain little minor things in the games. And they've had more stuff to latch on. But do you see what I'm getting at? They're, the, the, the focus on these mobile titles is not on the games themselves or the gameplay. The focus on the mobile titles is how often can uh, we get financial transactions from consumers? How often can we get minor amounts of money from people on a consistent basis? So that's the fear. And I'll bet you that's what Nintendo would say is like, we don't want to dilute the purity of the console experience by making bad quality games. Remember the Nintendo seal of approval? Well, I'll bet you that there's a way in which that they could do it, do it well, and everyone would be happy. So the first thing that I think about if I wanted to see a the Nintendo products in form, obviously I would want to see the old content. Let's just start there. Take your virtual console, your Nintendo, your um, Super Nintendo, your... Um, we'll start with those. And then let people buy a virtual console and then buy games for that virtual console. There's something that Nintendo doesn't like about not owning the console space. And I feel like that's legacy history. I think there's something about 
They want people to buy a Nintendo because they like the sales of a Nintendo. They like that particular graph going up and down. Now, what it does is it almost forces people to not buy Nintendo products because they don't feel like buying a new Nintendo every three years. And that's the truth. I haven't had a Nintendo system in forever. I mean forever. Simply because my preferred games were on Xbox and on PlayStation. I like RPGs. So PlayStation was my first console. Then I would just like, well, I have a computer, so I'll just get Steam. So I have supplemental games on Steam. Then Steam started becoming my main thing for a long while. It's just absurd to me that Nintendo has to be a console company. They had to make a switch so that you could take your games with you. Or they could have revolutionized the mobile and the iPad industry by finding a way and technologies where they can make their games in those in those consoles. But maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they want their console too. Fine. Say you want you're like the 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 iPad can't sustain the uh, the depth of gameplay as it can on uh, the new console, the Switch. Cool. Well, why don't you take your old games and put them on the uh, on the iPad and the iPhones too? Do you know how much just it's just like we're talking about making extra money. Fucking partner with Apple, because if anyone's going to get a partnership with Apple, it's going to be Nintendo or Samsung or whatever, and say I want to put my virtual console. These are the Nintendo games. We have a whole vast library, and then just release them piecemeal. You know, maybe they don't want to contend with updates. I'm not really sure, but I know it could be figured out because the new consoles are basically computers anyway, and they have updates. It just boggles the, my mind that they don't want to cash in on their nostalgia in a fast, consistent, perpetual, lucrative way. Because I tell you what, if they released those games, if they released those games on a way that's easy for me to get where I don't have to depend on them as the system provider I would have so many just like random like extra titles just because I would have freaking uh, all these old RPGs I'd be like hey I'm doing another playthrough of Chrono Trigger I'm doing another playthrough of Final Fantasy 6 I'm doing another playthrough of whatever the list would go on and on and on and it would be 100% perfect, but they don't. They don't feel the need to do that. So instead, you have to buy uh, a Wii. You have to buy uh, a Wii U, awkwardly named Wii U, like the Xbox One X. I don't know why they do that stuff. You have to buy the Nintendo Switch. And even then, they're like, well, we want motion control. Well, fucking make a controller that adapts to what's going on with the with the uh, with with the device that's in everyone's pocket, and that's the key, really, and why I feel like this should be a no-brainer for them, is that everybody already has the quote-unquote console. If you were to put your titles on there, people are going to pay, and they're going to buy these old titles at new title prices of like ten bucks, fifteen bucks. 
I would pay easily 15 bucks to put Chrono Trigger on my iPad. The problem is the controls though. That's the kicker. So here's the next big kicker. It's the control scheme. There needs to be a viable controller that I can just plug into my iPad because the virtual controls that you use inside a lot of these games aren't cutting it for me. As a traditional gamer, I just need two buttons and a D-pad that I can feel that are going to give me that sense that I knew that I hit the button. Because despite what they've done by putting virtual D-pads and virtual 360 uh, toggles and virtual buttons, they don't quite have the um, fidelity of a real controller. And I think that's the only thing that keeps me from buying a lot of games. Like, you know who really does it right is Square Enix. Square Enix takes their old Final Fantasy titles all the way up through Final Fantasy IX, which I find to be unbelievably awesome. You can buy Final Fantasy IX on your iPad, (laughs) which I think I'm going to do. And they also make just touch-based cash cow games for people that want to play those MOBA games. Like they put out a Final Fantasy 15 style uh, castle defense game. They have the Final Fantasy <laughs> where it's like they play all the random music with boss battles and I think you just tap. They, at the same time, putting out Final Fantasy 2, 1, uh, 6, 5, Four, I ha- have I seen three? I bet you one through six is on there. Then they put out seven, nine, and I haven't seen eight, but I haven't really looked for it. But I bet you it's there. That's just extra money on IPs that they already own, and they understand that by continuing to cash in on this nostalgia, they're making tons of money tons of money their games are constantly up in the top purchased they're constantly like bought and appreciated it's just good times they found a way to make it work they put them on steam they're putting them in front of as many people as possible with pocketbooks who can make these types of purchases so why isn't Nintendo doing the same Because Nintendo doesn't see themselves as a software company, and they should. Nintendo doesn't want to be a software company because traditionally they've made hardware too. But we didn't love them because of the hardware, we loved them because of the games. You think I love Banjo-Kazooie because I got to play it on the Nintendo 64? I don't give a fuck about the Nintendo 64 as a console. It's the games. You should want to be the software company first you should want to wear the pride of your titles on your sleeve at all times which they do in some instances but not enough in my opinion and I feel like this is an example of why so in listening to that Gary Vaynerchuk thing yeah Nintendo is screwing up they should be dominating this space and they're not and I think it's a little it's a little criminal in just the the sense of 
what they could be doing. It could almost make people fall in love with the company over and over again. The businessman who just doesn't have time, but he remembers back when he was 12 and he was able to play the original Bomberman on his Nintendo. Or he was able to play the original Contra with his buddies on his mobile game. And now you compare two mobile devices and you're playing Contra together. That would be amazing. And they could design a controller that plugs into the iPad port or that goes through Bluetooth wireless. And then you could play these games. It's brilliant. That's really all that you would really need. But they don't want to do that. I think that that's a shame. Because if I had a Nintendo library on my iPad, Nintendo would have that much more money from me. Five bucks a game, ten bucks a game, Mario 3, Super Mario World, I'd have them all. And I'd have way no need for ROMs. So I wanted to talk something through simply because I had an idea or I've been watching something be more specific and I want to solidify it in my brain kind of before it disappears and you know since this is uh, my show I can do that (laughs) so Here's what I'm thinking. I watched this really good video from Anthony Fantano on YouTube. And if you don't know who Anthony Fantano is, no big deal. He reviews music and um, I guess he goes into great detail, but he also talks about other topics, um, specifically in regards to independent artists and stuff like that. So he posted this infographic where it talked about these are the these are the highest paid or the places where independent artists can be the most paid versus the least paid and also comparing that to the number total number of people that are on that platform so for example YouTube has the most people on the platform but consequently or not even consequently just coincidentally it's the lowest uh, the artists receive the lowest amount of money depending on however many streams they get Versus someone like Tidal has the second highest amount of payout per stream for the artist. But they only have middle of the road uh, people on the platform. And here's what's crazy. Napster has the highest payout for artists. But no one is on there. That may be a black hole. That may be something that could be taken a look at or uh, what have you. But I was just sitting here thinking about it and it's like, okay, I need to readjust my game strategy because I was focusing a little bit on YouTube, but I need to triple down because that's where the most people are. Not because I think that that's where I'm going to get any financial anything. I think I'm just going to get the most looks there, the most interest, the most attention, as many videos as I can possibly do. Um, I had even done some videos where it was just footage of uh, gameplay mixed with uh, different beats and sounds I just need to have as much as that as possible because the more looks the more original footage the more attention I think that's some more leverage and this is just kind of in my slightly biased unprofessional opinion but I feel as if that's kind of the place to start so I have a little bit of content on YouTube in case you're curious I have my otaku beats channel 
where what I do is I take different like sounds or songs from the different shows, different anime series like El Hazard the Wanderers, Vision of Escaflone, uh, some video games like Rival Schools, flip it into a beat, which I'm going to start doing more of actually because um, I have a better method now. And then I take that and then I capture some footage of the anime. And technically it's my own footage because I'm filming the footage. I'm not actually pulling like the actual show and then making quick cuts or anything like that. Uh, I pair that together and I put it up on the Otaku Beats um, playlist. Now I have like about 20 videos, about five or six of them actually have video footage instead of a still image. And I wanna do more because I feel like now that I know about YouTube, I need to have something on YouTube daily like daily and maybe I just need to start doing um, maybe there's a direct link to YouTube podcast so I can take some of this as well but I'm realizing uh, kind of as an independent artist or as an independent personality the more information that's out about me and my stuff the better I need to be doing those essays because I'm particularly uh, decent at those as well but you know my mind state is changing, the game plans are changing daily, and I wanna be able to impart as much of that as possible because I feel like I can do a lot in regards to that. So, in case you don't know, I am an aspiring rapper, producer, aspiring otaku, aspiring human being. I am Zidraw on most channels, Zidraw on Snapchat, Zidraw on YouTube, The Zidraw on Twitter, Zidraw the Wizard on Instagram, and I just have a lot to share. So uh, I got stuff up on SoundCloud, of course, but I'm, I'm gonna start pushing YouTube and see what I can do. Let me do way, way, way more than I think I need to and just start with that. But thanks for listening to you uh, guys. I'm gonna be doing way, way, way more today because I love Anchor. Yeah. Yo, what's going on? This is Zid Raw over with Otaku Beef. I wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody who favorited, liked, applauded, anything the otaku beef podcast here on anchor so in no particular order alex musa of course the outlier which is its own podcast rafi over at the daily podcast mark spencer and the xr overwatch podcast i want to say thank you to everybody because of course there would be no otaku beef without you Yo, what's going on? This is Zid Raw, Otaku Beef. Man, I am feeling the conundrum right now. So, I do a lot of, like, random uh, production on my iPad, as a lot of you guys know. And I'm getting a lot of mileage with it, but I'm hitting a snag when I try and use a more advanced program. When I'm using Beatmaker instead of GarageBand... All of a sudden, it can't load all of the sounds and the presets because it says there's not enough memory. So I'm realizing that the extreme limitation of uh, producing on an iPad is if you don't get an iPad that has tons of memory already on it, you're kind of fucked just because there's no place for it to store the samples, for it to pull the sounds, for it to display those sounds, etc., and so on. So here I am, and I'm halfway through this song where I'm just trying to finish the last segment to give it a little flyness pop at the end and I'm stifled, I'm stymied, I am S-T-U-C-K 
up S-H-I-T-C-R-E-E-K without a P-A-D-D-L-E. Damn. So here's what I'm thinking. Export what I have so far, drop it in a drive or Dropbox, slide it over to GarageBand, jump on like a jump on like a Mac and uh, use it over there. And so you ask you ask me, you're like, my friend, why don't you just do everything on your Mac? <laughs> I would if I could, but it is not my Mac. I just borrow it when I need to. And I try not to use it and flood it up with my stuff just because, you know. That's not cool, man. Using up somebody's uh, thing all the time. But they're kind enough to let me use it when I need to, for the most part. So I'm just going to do it in this case so I can finish the song because the show must go on. The uploads must go on. I was even listening through some of a lot of my songs. And I have one where it's done. But it's an older song. So uh, because of that, it needs it needs improvement. The drums, I think, are, are, are kind of whack. They're not whack. They're just weak. And the patterns are, are real restrictive and real simple because it is an older song. But the instrumentation and the rhymes are really cool. It's a really, really cool song. Um, it was on this mixtape, which I was trying to make for the longest time. And eventually it didn't make it to the mixtape. This is one that's just I just have. Uh, so I would really like to do something with it. But I think I want to go in and put on some drums. So the same thing. I'm going to drop this song. I'm going to drop this song onto uh, the GarageBand in the iPad, or in the, uh, the Mac, and then I'm going to, um, then I'm going to, what do you call it, throw in some drums, finalize that, and then see what I can do with the song, just because I think it's pretty cool. So anyway, this is just the struggles of an of a, of a up-and-coming producer because I'm sure we all experience uh, stuff like this where you're trying to get to C, but you keep getting tripped up by B. You know, A, B, C, ha, ha, ha. Uh, what else is going on? I was supposed to write a second verse. I'm going to have to do that tonight instead of right now. And... Um, yeah, that's basically it, man. I'm just out here. I'm just trying to push, 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 push because there's so much content I have, so little time, but I am always um, fighting my way through to try and uh, kind of reach what I want. I'm really excited too because I'm going to complete something tonight. I think I'm going to make a couple of more videos with some songs I have just using like anime footage just for kicks so I can put them up on uh, YouTube, maybe make a promotional video, work on the YouTube page because that's where the looks are. So I'm going to flood YouTube with as much stuff as I can tonight. Two, three, four videos if I can help it. Random stuff, fun stuff, seeing how can I record something directly to YouTube. Would I be able to make a immediate 15-minute video onto YouTube? Um, whereas, I mean, like record it in the YouTube page with a microphone and then upload it right away. Is that even possible? I don't know. But I'm going to find out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty um, inventive when I need to be. So uh, I'm going to definitely figure something out when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to putting stuff out. Because I'm just trying to get my, as much of my stuff out as possible, as many times as possible. Uh, I'll pair it to whatever I need to pair it to in order to get by. But thanks again for listening, guys. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what up? I, I, sometimes it feels like that's what I'm doing. 
when I'm kind of conversing. And I do consider this to be a uh, conversation simply because in my head, it's a conversation. You know, I don't have inner monologues. I have inner dialogues. I'm one of those guys. So when I get on here, I 100% completely like... I, I feel like I can almost see you in my mind, like reacting, understanding, commenting about kind of like the discussion. So I have this like, almost this like obsession with excellence and extremes when it comes to the arts. And a lot of us do have that. A lot of creatives have that. I'm not like unique in that outlook, but it doesn't matter. I, it's my outlook and it's what is kind of going on in my mind. So I start thinking about just like the brilliance of, I start thinking about just the brilliance of certain, certain words, right? Why is it that this story or this manga or this anime is so brilliant and then this one over here is not what is it that they understand innately at their core that the other storytellers do not like it's really interesting like after watching death note right after death note there was another manga that came out about this guy and he used psychology in order to really kind of like break down and kind of manipulate people or in all this stuff but then there was another guy who was using psychology to almost like help people and solve crimes or something but it was such a clear death note knockoff and the death note vibe to it was so it was so surreal and weird and all that good stuff that the, 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 the reality or the depth of the story was, wasn't there. So why is this one not working? Well, you start thinking, okay, well, it's just an imitation, right? Okay, that's fair. But then I start thinking about, okay, let's talk about like manga. Let's talk about Naruto versus 666 Satan. And I think this is a great case study because the creator of Naruto and the creator of 666 Satan, or O-Parts Hunter, as it's called in the U.S., they're twin brothers. Uh, Masashi, Masashi Kishimoto is Naruto, and then the other Kishimoto, whose name I can't recall, I think it's Masai, created uh, 666 Satan slash O-Parts Hunter. Naruto is brilliant, and it works. And... A lot of the uh, brilliance of it is also kind of present in his brother's work. There's kind of like the young kid, he has like a goal, he wants to do something spectacular. He has a big goal because he's an outcast and the true nature of his goal is that he just wants to fit in. So, same with Nara, same goal. And because they're twins, they have had this, a lot of the same influences when it came to drawing. So the artwork for uh, Opart's Hunter is just as good as Naruto. And in a lot of instances, it's really similar. But 
Why does Naruto work? And why does 666 Satan not work? There's something else. There's something in the depth of the Naruto story that's just not present in the other work of art. And that's my question. I don't have an answer. I have guesses. Um, and I think what I'd like to do is kind of like just look at certain manga and be like, what really makes it work beneath the surface? What makes this story work over others? Let's look at a couple of manga and try and see if we can kind of picture or, or pick out why. I... All right. So I took a couple of moments and I wanted to think. And I think that there's something additional that the great mangakas do that the other ones are lacking in what they do. And it's twofold, right? What needs to happen in order to give um, characters a sense of depth and uh, to make the story feel like it's a really good story is that you have to apply the depth of story through the characterization. You have to spend a lot of time on the setup because what the setup does is, is it attaches us to the, to the situation, giving each situation significance. Here's what I mean. So, Naruto... The very first episode, it's not about the brilliant things he can do. It's about his personal hangups, what he can't do, essentially, how he's failing, how he's um, a loser, how nobody likes him, no one respects him. Everyone thinks that he's the worst, he has no friends, and him trying to put on a brave face. It's showing, it's showing the character at his most vulnerable and the depth of his pain, which is more important than his ambition. His ambition to become Hokage is cool. His ambition to... His ambition to um, get people to, to like him and want to be his friend is something that we can empathize with and that's human that's why that manga outstrips the other manga and then once you have the humanity of his character you're able to f much more fully appreciate the skill set that he's trying to learn because the the greatness that he gets the skill set is not what associates us the character. Like Ichigo in Bleach getting more and more amazing and going after more and more amazing people and getting more and more extreme and spectacular. We basically don't give a fuck simply for the fact that there's no reason to. We don't care about his Bankai because Bankai is cool. Sure, it's cool. We care because... He's desperate. He's desperate to achieve. They said he couldn't do it. He's 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 beaten down. He's trying to uh, save his friend. 
if he was just trying to get Bunkai because it was the next level to level up, we'd be like, oh, that's neat, and it'd be forgettable. But because he's desperate, desperate to save Rukia, his Bunkai achievement means something. That's what I'm talking about. The depth of character has to be done at every level. And here's the Megaka who does that better than anyone, which is why I think he can write such a long series. And that is uh, Echiro Oda's One Piece. One Piece is probably the best series when it comes to connecting the audience to characters' flaws and to character pains and getting us to root for them. Because each character is different each character is going to have their own, you know, senses of sadness and frustration and agitation. That's why you can have separate arcs that focus on the pain and overcoming the, the, the isolation of, for Usopp, for Nami, for Robin, for Frankie. You can keep going because each locale, brilliant that it is, isn't so much focused on the locale, but on how that, how the people are affected by the locale, and that is what's important. And I think that the mangas that fail to do it. Yo, what's going on? This is Zid Raw, and this is Otaku Beef, and man, oh man. So, the entirety of the song that I was working on for this week. I cannot use. I can't use it. It's just for whatever reason, I can't export it. I can't pull it. I can't get the drop in. It's not letting me load instruments. S O L. No, 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 no. Not just sit out of luck. FML. Oh my God, the frustration. You guys know what it's like when you're working on something for a long time and then you just can't use it. That's the same as like back in, in, in writing terms, you write three or four like major chapters and then for whatever reason it doesn't save so like weeks of work is just gone that's what this feels like so since i'm a g i was like okay can't do it this way i've been trying to do it this new way let's pull back go back to my old method so i went back to the garage band app on the ipad and i'm kidding you not the loop i just made well, not a, really a loop because it's not just like 16 bars. I don't really work in terms of like eight bar loop, copy, copy, copy. I more try to break it up a little bit more now. Um, so it's about 32 bars right now, but it's really like way more interesting than what I was working on earlier. And it's so funny because it was 100% unintentional. I was just like, well, I'm just going to do this to relieve stress. I'll make a drum set. But as soon as I made the first like miniature drum part, not even like with a bunch of major inflections, just a little bit, and then I put on that first synth, it just felt right. So this is me going into overtime trying to get this done because tomorrow is Friday, and I shit you not, I'm going to record some sort of lyrics on Saturday or maybe even tomorrow and try to put it up because I'm a man of my word and I'm going to do my one song a week. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to push, but I know I can work fast. I know I have lyrics ready to go. I have all these sets of lyrics that are just written or in my phone 
and I'm sure one of them will pair with this. And if not, I'll write some more because, like I said, I'm a G. I'm a frustrated G. God, dog. Um, so let's see. Maybe I can set the scene. I was trying to get this stuff corrected since about 8 o'clock. And right now it's about 11.30? No, it's about 11. It's about 11. So that's three hours of me just trying, trying to get it right, trying to do it. And so now I'm going to take a moment, now that I have this first loop that I feel like I can work with, I'm even going to try this new method of recording because I want to just, I want to just drop it in and see what happens because I think I'm stressing over certain things more than uh, other circumstances and I'm going to give it a try and see what happens, put it up, see what comes out of it because let's be real, I work too hard not to have some sort of conclusion. I mean, I have backup songs, I have stuff that's like done that I could put up, but that's not quite the same as really trying to do something new every single week, because this is about growth, this is about uh, volume, this is about pushing myself. So I wanted to make this the finale for (laughs) today's podcast. Just know that if you guys are out there and you're working on whatever, you're not the only one dealing with the frustration of just trying to get your stuff out there. It happens to everybody. It happens to me. It literally happened to me three hours ago. And I'm not going to go to sleep until I get the, the entire skeleton done. And for me, a skeleton is all the sections, how I want them, knowing where I'm going to be putting rhymes. And uh, all I can do next time is throw in the rhymes and then maybe put in some fun stuff, maybe add some space, things like that. And I'm just going to put it all in the app because what have I got to lose? Nothing but time. And I have plenty of that. So this is it raw signing out you know my channels by now i love you guys i hope you guys are doing whatever you want or i hope you guys are having some fun uh i'm about to play me some dragon's dogma here for like half an hour before i jump back in and like always love serenity uh make someone else's day brighter tomorrow and don't forget to applaud and favorite the podcast on anchor